we got a whole new set of issues, or just one issue. We gather around the microphones to share our favorite facts from the new issue of Live Happy Magazine on this episode of Live Happy Now. The ancient Greeks defined happiness as the joy you feel moving towards your potential. To think about positive psychology, it's a science, and it's actually younger than the Internet, believe it or not. The reality is that social connection is, in the research, the greatest predictor we have of long-term happiness. You have some factors in your control that can promote the health and resilience and growth of your absolutely most important asset, which is your brain. And so it all comes down to understanding ourselves. There's a way for all of us to succeed, but, but it might take different things. We're all looking for the same thing, and that's a way to bring a little bit more joy to our day. Join us as we look at the many different paths that lead us to that happy place. This is Live Happy Now. Hello and greetings. Welcome to another edition of Live Happy Now podcast. I'm your host, J.R. Houston, and we are excited about a new issue of Live Happy magazine. It has got Anna Ferris on the cover. She's just making all kinds of headlines this week. Uh, the new issue is available at Barnes & Noble. You can get a copy of it. You can't miss it right there in the magazine section. You can also get it on iTunes or the Google Play Store. The digital edition is available to you, and that has all kinds of special features. Anna Ferris on the cover, as we said, and has other great features, including 33 ways to find the meaning in life and your guide to lifelong learning. That's very exciting. Well, we like to do our happy facts on the Live Happy Radio Show each and every week, and then we bring them to you as part of this podcast subscription. So we have gathered around the microphones to bring you our favorite facts from this issue on Live Happy Now. This segment that we call Happy Facts, we bring in our two favorite happiness contributors and Chris Libby, a section editor. Hello, Chris. Hello. And our science editor, Paula Phelps, who is joining us from Nashville, Tennessee. And I know I pronounced that wrong, but uh, Paula, thanks for joining us. Hey. Glad to have you guys back. Uh, we met up a little bit over our radio summer vacation, and uh, you guys in that time put together this fine magazine that's got wonderful articles in it. And we are going to take this magazine, and we are going to pick facts from this magazine and share them as our happy facts in no particular order, starting with Paula. Oh, under the gun. Right away. You got to go. Go, go, go. Come on. I'm sorry. I thought someone else was saying something. No. All right. My happy fact <laughs> for this week is to do your homework. No. Nope. Uh, no matter what age. Totally out Life on that homework. deal. I graduated high school so I could stop doing homework. <laughs> and I didn't do any in college. Wait, and here I am. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. You graduated high school? <laughs> Surprisingly. <laughs> I got a piece of paper that says, get out of here. Does that count? There you go. That'll count. No, but uh, research shows that lifelong learning actually makes you more optimistic and satisfied with your life. Why is that? Well, that's a great question. Uh, one of the reasons could be <laughs> related to the hippocampus, because that's where we retrieve our memories, and that's where we put our new memories, but the hippocampus is also responsible for mood regulation. So, hmm. so scientists are now looking to see if the fact that we're activating the hippocampus is actually making us happy as we're you know generating new neurons, and it's also storing new memories. I'm putting this tip to work right now, because I'm learning something. I thought the hippocampus was where... Uh, large water-dwelling animals went to college. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm revoking that high school diploma. Oh, dang it. Um, but but in all honesty, it, this is something that I think I accidentally do without trying. My wife makes fun of me because I'll be sitting there at night just like reading a random uh, like a today in history thing that gives you the history of like 
chicken wire or so, I'm just always wanting to find those kinds of weird things out. And I guess that's good for my my emotional health, Libby. Yeah, totally. Uh, it's also good for healthy aging um, to keep that process going throughout the throughout your life. Um, we have a great opportunity here in, in the jobs that we have. We're constantly learning about new things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know uh, if we're just drawn to that because that's in the profession that we're in, but uh, it always makes my day great. Yeah, it's always fun to learn something new. And Paula, what I wonder is if it's like he's talking about, it helps with your aging. Is it kind of if you don't use it, you lose it kind of thing? If you don't keep your mind sharp and running all the time, it eventually just slows down for good? Yeah, you're, you're going to... You know, what you focus on is going to grow and and it's going to thrive. And if you're just not using your memories, if you're not really reaching and stretching yourself, it, whether it's physically or mentally, it, it does start kind of drying up. And so it's really important. And it doesn't matter what kind of learning you're doing. It's something as long as it interests you. You know, if it's like how to build engines, it, it really doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be this great literary pursuit. It can be whatever interests you. I think that's probably why my grandparents, and and that's kind of my reference point on this, like the older they got, once they kind of quit trying to figure out how to make their gardens grow better or get their lawns to look a certain way or or what the kids were up to, that's when things really started to slow down for them. And I, I think it's something that we've all probably experienced and seen in action, and yet maybe not enough of us are doing this as life goes on. Like maybe the, people are serious. Like I'm done with school. I don't need to read any more books. I don't need to do any more testing of any kind. And, and then you end up uh, slowly fading away yeah there are other cultures around the world that habitually live longer because they practice things like this and specifically i know we've talked about it before but the okinawans in japan they practice this philosophy of ikigai i think that's how you pronounce it but yeah we've talked about that that's that's close if not we'll get some we'll get our japanese listenership to correct (laughs) us in a letter i'm sure but it's basically (laughs) having uh, a purpose and keeping that mind active for a very long time and it keeps you uh it, it improves that longevity Absolutely. Um, but I'm I'm very excited to figure out what we're going to learn next. Are you ready to be our teacher, Libby? <laughs> Mr. Teacher's Libby. Chris. Mr. <laughs> Libby. Sorry. <laughs> All right. Now that he's got done hitting me with a ruler like a nun at the Catholic school, let's go to uh, Chris Libby's facts. Well, my fact actually goes really well with Paula's because it's about love of learning, too. And it comes from uh, Ryan Nemick, who's uh, the education director of the VIA Institute in Cincinnati or the V Institute on Character in Cincinnati, and he writes a column for us. Uh, and this issue, the beautiful issue with Anna Ferris on the cover that everybody should run out and get right now. It's wonderful. Well, not right now, but when they're <laughs> yeah, done Yeah, when you're done listening this. and then, or get in the car and you can listen to the rest of the show on your way. There you to, go. There we go. Um, we'll wait right here. Yeah, we're good. <laughs> yeah. We got time. <laughs> but he talked about love of learning and people who are high in this character strength view life as a series of open doors. They also view problems and stresses as opportunities to grow. Um, so when you come against these obstacles, you look at those as, you know, those aren't those aren't blocks, roadblocks for you. Those they're a chance to learn and do yeah. something great. They can help you with resilience. Uh, you know, great opportunity to stoke your uh, fire for learning is uh, they have these online courses that you can take called MOOCs, massive online open courses, I believe. But isn't that what a 1930s mobster called someone he didn't like? Oh, look at this MOOC over here. See, hey MOOC. Um, um, <laughs> yeah, but they're like self-paced courses that then a lot of them are free, and you can you know take 
courses on anything from like how to build a robot to learning happiness. They even have one on happiness for UC Berkeley. Very good. Paula, what's, uh, why do you think this is as someone who, 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 can overcome these challenges or looks at it as a challenge can end up becoming a person who's happier. There's the aspect of curiosity, which we're seeing mm-hmm. a lot of study going into that right now in the positive psychology community and, and really looking at how curiosity lends itself to happiness. And that's because you're curious, you're exploring things, you're learning things. It, it plays into all the things we just talked about, your mood regulation through the hippocampus, new memories, new knowledge. And again, it, it ties to a sense of purpose and a reason to keep getting up and going on. And you know, curiosity can be a great motivator. And if the more you learn, the more you want to learn, that's going to kind of keep you going down that path as opposed to saying, you know, screw it, I'm going to sit here in my chair and watch television until I die. Well, it's interesting you bring that up because it's a television character that this fact reminds me of, and it's the Doctor from Doctor Who. And if you haven't watched that show, what happens is the Doctor and his, or now her, companion will go to a planet and there will be a thing that's happening. And it's a scary thing. And the companion's like, oh, no, I don't want to do it. And the Doctor's like, yes, we're going to do this. Isn't it great that this bad thing is happening? So I can solve it. And I guess I feel that's a good way to go through life. Like, not great, bad things are happening, but okay, here's a chance for me to learn and grow. Well, it's got to be great for your confidence, I think. Um, yeah. I mean, you're learning new things, you're, you're trying things, you're getting out of that comfort zone. And if you really act like a doctor, the problems will be over in a nice, tidy 45 minutes. You're good to go. It's time for our third fact, and we've got to hurry on this one. But, guys, I think this is one we've talked about uh, quite a bit. And the fact is, it's never too late to find purpose, even if you're retired. And, Libby, you kind of mentioned this uh, earlier with the Japanese, that they never really retire from being active. They might not be doing the jobs that they've done or the the careers that they had been in, but they're always finding ways to either uh, give back to the community that they've been a part of for so long, or they want to travel, they want to uh, find more ways to learn. Uh, this was uh, something that was interesting. According to the AARP, and this is right from the magazine, I'm literally reading it out of the magazine, more than 8 in 10 Americans want to travel and when you retire if you saved up enough money it's a good time to do that and learn new things uh from city every time i go to a city i always joke that i'm an urban anthropologist because i want to go to the neighborhoods that aren't touristy and see how they live uh seven and ten want to pursue a passion or hobby so maybe it's uh uh you know you want to sail more or you want to uh take up more golf or whatever it is and almost six and ten want to volunteer and in those things i think you can find your purpose especially in the volunteering aspect of it. My grandma did that for years. In fact, I thought growing up that she had worked in a hospital. No, she just volunteered there every week. Yeah, I mean, these are op- great opportunities to add purpose and meaning into your life and because you may not have had time during your working years because, of course, you're working. Mm-hmm. Um, always helping people is always a great way to feel better about yourself. And, uh, you know, a- another thing that came from this uh, story which was really great. I don't know who wrote it, but um, uh, some <laughs> some redheaded dude. Yeah. I can't really tell. But what what they said was uh, a lot of people start businesses in their fifties and sixties because they're finally now they have enough capital. Uh, they can do something that maybe they've always wanted to do, 
And now they have a whole lifetime of networking that they've done that they've built up over the years. And so they can just a lot of entrepreneurs happen after retirement. And one thing, and I don't know if there's scientific basis to this, Paula, but the, this idea that uh, retirees like my grandpa, he's 80 and he's still not really stopped working. He's not farming anymore. He's not selling the insurance that he used to, but he's going out to his old farm and clearing brush and doing all these things. And there's this idea that if I retire, if I actually stop working, my purpose is over and I'll just go ahead and die. Like, you Yeah, know. There, there are statistics that back that up. There's a really high rate of death in the first five years of retirement. Mm-hmm. And I would posit that if you did further investigation into that, those people were individuals who didn't have something else on the outside. They didn't have another reason or purpose that they wanted to pursue. Um, whereas I've got some 90 something year old ladies that we hang out with here in Nashville and every Sunday they go to jazz four o'clock. They are there four to eight listening to jazz. One of them is big into gardening. One of them is joined a book club and she also takes these, uh, lifelong learning courses. So they all have things, reasons that they're getting up every day, things that they're excited about. These 90-something friends, uh, Chris, are cooler than us, is what I took away from that, (laughs) number one. Uh, But the other... better than all of us. (laughs) All right, let's move on to some more facts from this edition of Live Happy Magazine and go back to Paula Phelps. All right, this is going to come as a surprise, but the biggest predictor of your happiness on the job is not how much you make, it's not where you work, it's... It's how competent your boss is. That makes a lot of sense. And I hope uh, this is now a shot at your boss because she's listening right now, Paula. I just have you know that. <laughs> and she's your boss, too. Well, uh, no, my boss is my wife. Let's all be honest oh, about that. There is that. Uh, literally and figuratively in this case. Um, but th- that, that makes a ton of sense, though, because I can tell you this, guys, and I'm more anecdotal guy. You guys are sciencey people, so let me just tell my story. Uh, I've had jobs where I made pretty decent money, and it was low-stress actual job, but my boss was so terrible at their job that I could not wait to get out of there for jobs that offered less money, offered for more work, and I was infinitely happier at those jobs because my boss was appreciative or was very good at what they do. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot to be said to sacrificing your happiness, I think, for work. Uh, Go ahead, Paul. I, I didn't mean to cut you off there. No, no, you're doing great. <laughs> Take it. Well, but I think a lot of people, I think you're right. I think a lot of people yeah. do. They're like, oh, the money's good, though. And yeah. then they don't really take care of their own mental well-being. Yeah, no, and that can really, uh, you know, cause problems down the line, I think, even you constantly put yourself coming. Because you spend a lot of your life working. Um, so At least yeah. a third of it once yeah. once you reach uh, the the adult years. Paul, why why is it that, that a boss can have such an effect on us? We, we always try to make sure that other people aren't having such a great effect on us, but bosses and coworkers really can. Yeah, and part of it, as you just mentioned, we spend so much of our time there, and we have these relationships that we didn't choose, you know, for the most part. Mm-hmm. And if that is not a satisfying relationship, and say you've got a boss who isn't good at their job, and who also doesn't let you be good with your strengths and isn't you're not able to do what you're good at, then it's this boiler pot of frustration. And 
you really can't you can't grow in that um, no matter how much money you're making as you mentioned it, it's just not worth it and that frustration becomes internalized you start being getting sick you you dread going to work and so now you're affecting your time outside of the office in addition to being miserable at the office so is there a call to action on this is there a recommendation because I mean it, it's not like you can just go in and fire your boss and or and you really I, I very strongly caution against having done this uh, going to your boss's boss and being like, this guy is a real son of a gun. <laughs> yeah, that can backfire. Don't do that. So is there are there ways that we can help our bosses be better at their jobs? I mean, you also don't want to pick up their slack completely because then that just becomes part of your job for no extra pay. Right. And, and unfortunately, what a lot of the experts say is you can't change your boss. What you really have to do is determine what's important to you. Can you move to another department? Do you need to change jobs? And that can seem pretty um, extreme to some people, but this is your health. This is your. It's more than just your livelihood. It's your life. So you really have to think about that. How are you spending your time? What's valuable to you? And what do you need to do to be happy? And if they're like Michael Scott and they buy themselves a world's best boss mug, just run. <laughs> run as far and as fast <laughs> as you can. <laughs> But break the mug first. Yes. <laughs> well, let's move on. This is one that I picked as well until Libby told me he picked it, so I grabbed something else really quickly. I like yeah. this one. Well, speaking of teamwork, video games kind of in the past have gotten a bad rap because you sit in front of them for hours with your eye, bloodshot eyes. and Yeah, you know, you're, you're getting your Mountain done. Dew and your Funyuns, <laughs> and uh, yeah, you're getting <laughs> acne all over you. Yeah, the whole bit. Your isolation. And we've talked about this a little bit before, like with the Pokemon studies, um, that, that craze got people to get up and get out and move more, communicate, get friendly with their community because they mm -hmm. were outside looking for little trolls i guess i don't know what what that's about you <laughs> are so old man <laughs> yeah, they're out looking for their trolls or yeah. whatever and their pac-man video games but uh <laughs> yeah they're gremlins the uh <laughs> but there was another study about virtual teamwork and people mm. who played the game world of warcraft Again, another game I've never played, but when I did speak to one of the researchers on this, she talked a lot about how some of those positive skills like openness, communication, conscientiousness, yeah. uh, a lot of that uh, translated into the workplace. So by, by working on a team on the video game, that can help you in your workplace, even, you know, make you more technologically ready and, you know, set you up for a good job or or make you successful at the current job that you have? Well, I think it's got the same uh, properties probably as people who have played sports. Mm -hmm. And I know a lot of companies, my boss is one of them, they prefer to hire people who played sports on some level growing up. And you didn't have to be an all-star athlete. I certainly wasn't. But you kind of learn the value of this is your job and you're doing it for the betterment of the team. And this is the strength you bring. And I think, well, I mean, we're seeing the rise of esports, right? I yes. mean, this is stuff that's getting televised now. Yeah. So... I think there's some of those same concepts of everybody realizes this is what I bring to the team and I've got to rely on other people to do things and trust that they're going to be able to do them. And I need to do my part to make sure that they are uh, satisfied in the end. What do you think, Paula? Well, I was really excited that Chris chose this fact because I just got back from the Games for Change conference in New York City. What was that? And so... Yeah, it was very cool. It was a lot of people talking about how games can be used for good. Hmm, interesting. And yeah, it was very, very interesting. And they, of course, talked a lot about some of the positive attributes um, that can be used in the workplace. They also talked about how playing games, certain games, can help 
with anxiety and depression and really playing these games first of all they the the game travels the same neural pathways as a lot of these emotions so you're kind of helping shape how you feel about certain things and it's also as as chris was talking about some of these traits that you can develop i think playing these games say online with somebody else lets you kind of give test drive them and and learn about your you know how do you work with someone else how do i communicate with people if i'm an introvert and yet now i have to so i think it it really gives you a, a space to try some of these things out I guess what Paul is getting at here is that we need to convince the bosses to put in like the X-Men video game that you could play at the old pizza parlors just right over here in the office. I think it would be great for morale, guys. Well, there is also... Yeah, maybe some Super Mario. Yeah, I'm in. Let's move on to our final fact, and I think this kind of ties into a little bit what we were talking about with, with Paula and with you, really, Chris. 60% of Americans say working to their strengths is the most important part of their job. And that makes a lot of sense to me because I, I, I've seen this happen in various places. And this is where my mind took this is that we sometimes promote people to their level of incompetence. Mm-hmm. We'll make people who are really good at producing on a lower level into managers and because they've been there and they've produced well and they need to be rewarded somehow. So we make them a manager, but they're not good at leading. Their strength is not leading a team like that. Their strength is in doing the thing and if they're not their strength in doing that thing is not being used and they're being made to lead when they're not good at it i can see those people burning out a lot faster what do you guys think am i on the right track with this kind of thought well first of all i'm sitting right here so it's a little awkward you'd be saying all that (laughs) Um, no you're good at your job (laughs) but i just feel like maybe instead of rewarding them with a position that they're maybe not cut out for just pay them what you think their production is worth yeah, I mean, it's, well, it's important to find out what people are good at, find their strengths. Yeah. Um, and that's, and again, uh, it's a, up to a good manager to make those people apply the areas where they're good at. Yeah, that makes sense. What were you going to say, Paul? Well, I saw this a lot. I came from a newspaper background, and, and as newspaper reporters, they wanted to rise through the ranks. Well, the, really, the only place to go was to become editors, and they, they were were good at their jobs because they were great at finding facts and great at writing and they would get into editor editor positions and be miserable and yeah. and then you have this whole dilemma of all right i'm in this position where i'm earning what i want to earn but i'm not happy with my work uh whereas if they just stayed doing what they love which was writing they would have been so much happier I think tying income to title is a little bit uh, – I, I think that can really screw with people because they're like, well, I've got to make director. But maybe that's not th- th- – right. that's, that's yeah. not what, that what you need yeah. to be doing because it's going to affect not only your mental health, but it's also going to affect the production of the company. I just found that very interesting. And we talked uh, – in fact, in the podcast that we released last week, we started talking about strength-based parenting and where you can identify uh, from your children that okay my my child is really good uh let's say this this child is very good at playing music and and so we're going to approach that avenue and and let them be a part of things musically even if i'd like for my kid to be a good baseball player because their old dad was mm-hmm. uh it's better if we figure out the things that they are good at and the character traits that they are strong in mm-hmm. and encourage and push those along and that's really a lifelong thing as well well, I mean, that's essentially what we talk about here at Live Happy all the time is let's build on the things that are going right. Yeah. Let's, the things that you do well, 
that's going to make you flourish in life. Let's explore those areas. Right. Um, yeah. And that, and that's not to say that you can't, that you shouldn't improve in things that, that you're maybe not as strong at. They, those can eventually become strengths for you. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, don't beat yourself up for something that's just, that's not you. That's not your yeah. bit. And I would encourage everybody to go to the VIA Character uh, Institute of Character Strengths to find out their own character strengths so that they know where where those character strengths are within themselves. Absolutely. Heading there right now. Let's break down the show and let's go go there right now, guys. (laughs) And again, if you would like a copy of this issue of the magazine, you can go to Barnes & Noble. Get it right there. You can also get the digital edition on iTunes or the Google Play Store. Thank you so much for joining us. Don't forget, this is a two-way conversation. You can find us on Twitter at LiveHappy, Facebook.com slash LiveHappy, or send us an email, podcast at LiveHappy.com. From all of us at the Live Happy Now podcast, I'm J.R. Houston saying so long, and thank you for helping us to live happy.